And let me tell you, in, in, in my current industry, in video games, you can't have an ego. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, rewrite, rewrite, rewrite is, is pretty much all you do. Uh, you write something and then you have to do it again, have to change it, have to do something else. And so um, that's, that's one big advice I give people when they get into video games is um, throw your ego at, check your ego at the door and be prepared to rewrite a lot of stuff. You are listening to Geekdom Empowers, the podcast about people empowered through their geekiness. Welcome back! My name is Guy Hasson and this is Geekdom Empowers. Geekdom Empowers, among other things, follows the personal paths of people who are often not highlighted but who make up a big part of the geek world. We follow geeks who try to make it, geeks who have made it, and geeks who pave their own paths in this non-geek world. Today, our guest is Kelly Bender, comic book creator, indie comic book creator, and today, writer of video games. He will talk to us about his journey, which will take us from Canada to China. Uh, If there's anything you want me to cut, I will cut. Uh, So let me know, okay? Sure, sounds good. So Does that include like putting a better face on my face? If you want, <laughs> listen, I had a podcast. I don't know if you, oh you didn't. It's it was it's not up on YouTube yet. Uh, maybe you saw like the videos of it. I had a podcast where I it was three people simultaneously, and we we decided on an audio uh, podcast, and, but yeah, uh, and not use the video. But one of them appeared in video, and one of them appeared just put a drawing of himself, and the other appeared mm-hmm. in an avatar in a talking mask. And it was <laughs> okay, great. We agreed we could put this on. So we had like, uh, you know, 10 years ago, this would have been science fiction. It would have been in science oh, exactly. Fiction. Today we live in the future. Yeah. I actually do technically live in the future. <laughs> we do. It's five for a few hours ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So basically, thank you for coming. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And what we do is we follow the paths, really interesting paths of really interesting people. And I thought you would fit the bill. Uh, so let's start at the beginning. How did you get into comics, science fiction, and all, all of that uh, stuff? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, my comic book career started the exact same way pretty much every other uh, male comic book career starts, is that you become the stay-at-home dad. <laughs> um, so that's what I, I, I was. I was a childcare worker and... Uh, and um, my, my ex-wife and I, uh, we ended up having a daughter and I, we made the decision that I was going to be the stay-at-home dad. And I didn't want to be defined by being, you know, my daughter's father only and, you know, like the, the volunteer dad or the soccer dad and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't want to go back to my old profession either. Um, so, I, yeah, I started writing and uh, next thing you know, people started pu- be, being published. I started looking at, you know, getting in anthology stories. Hold on, there's so many steps before <laughs> that. Like, first of all, how did, how did you like? Did you fall in? How did you fall in love, if at all, with comics when you were young? Oh, I fell in love with comic books like at an early age. Yeah, I was. It was. I have ADD, which is attention deficit disorder, and and I remember comic books was the was the first book I ever picked up, and was able to recite exactly what happened, image by image word by word, what was going on in the story, where um, all the children's books before that or picture books, um, I couldn't really 
be able to process and put them all together where comic books were, especially when you start getting into novels and stuff like that. And, and as you're progressing through school, um, comic books were the one that really, really helped me uh, get through school. I think, uh, so I, I think ended up. That's, that's, that's something that happens a lot. Like I, I don't have my attention deficit disorder, but I, when I got to the States for the first time, I was 11 and the first thing I bought was a Spider-Man comic book. And I read yeah. things so many times and all the comic books, you read them, yeah. you reread them, you know them by heart. And I think today, at least, you know, for my girls, we talk about kids too. So yeah. uh, it is a gateway to literacy because today, you know, starting to read is really hard and slow and frustrating where you could just watch something. Uh, so I give them comic books. And then I know that if they like it, they will read it 11 times or 20 times. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and from there you, you go up to novels and short stories and, you know, whatever. Yeah, and the cool thing is with comic books is that, is that it's, it's an ever-expanding medium where where um, th- there's actual textbooks that are actually translated into comic books or converted, I guess, not translated but converted into comic books. So, um, like the 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 Larry Chronic, uh, Gronick, I think it's Larry Gronick. He does the history of the world, um, and his 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 um, his comic books are absolutely amazing. He's a he's a Harvard University professor, mm-hmm. and he's done everything from from uh, chemistry to to bio to to mathematics and all these other things in comic book format. And they're sold in actual um, universities and colleges uh, around the world because it, it's an easier way to, to, to for the students to, to pick up and learn um, and access uh, the information that they're providing. So it's, it's, it's currently I, Larry Gronick, G-R-O-N-I-C-K uh, is his name. And uh, and yeah, I, I've, I've completely read his, his stuff and they're absolutely quite brilliant. Um, but I mean, even like the, the, the Odyssey and a lot of, a lot of Romeo and Juliet, like uh, Shakespeare stuff has been converted to comic books as well. Uh, same with the, the Hobbit is a, is a, is an amazing adapt, adap- adaptation of the comic books, um, of the, of the actual novel. So I didn't see that one. So. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Oh, yeah. And it, yeah, it's really good. It actually, actually it's, it's, it's almost verbatim, um, uh, for word for word. They, they just take out the, uh, descriptive words for, for the landscape, but, it, but as far as the, the dialogue and the action goes, it's, it's pretty close to, um, on par to the novel. Cool. Okay. So you're in comic books and you said, I stopped you when you moved to, uh, novels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really helped me. Um, and I mean, I, I had an older brother, so that was cool. So the cool thing was he was in a different thing as I was into. So he, I mean, he, he still has the complete collection of the GI Joe comic book, um, through, through all that. I mean, I like to read. Larry Hammer. Joe, I was more, I'm sorry. Larry Hammer. That was the writer of the GI. Oh, oh, Larry Hammer. Yeah. 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 Larry Hammer. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah. So he's got all that, and he was into like, like Gru the Wanderer, and uh, and the Punisher and stuff like that. And I was more into Justice League and uh, and Batman and stuff like that. So it was it was really interesting. I hear people my age, Gru the Wanderer, GI Joe. That was the eighties. Yeah, no, I'm 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 a lot older than I look. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I was I was I, was, I grew up in the eighties, and and I you know, loved all those books. Even Howard the Duck when it came out, and Spider Ham was probably one of my favorite Spider Man. Uh, series that was ever out there mm-hmm. but uh, you know there are lots of good stuff oh and then when you were staying home dad and you decided to go into comic books how did your comic books get accepted like how how did you get published yeah so i i, mean, I was very naive when i first started so i thought okay i'll just come up with an amazing story i'll write a you know uh uh, it, essentially what it was, I came up with an idea for a movie and I, and I thought, okay, I'm going to write the movie script. And I did write the movie script. And then I realized very quickly, that's never going to happen. Um, and it's very hard to get that done. So I switched over to a comic book 
And then I realized very, very quickly that um, that's just as hard. Um, just because I, you know, I didn't, I, I wasn't known. Um, it's not like you can just say, okay, here's, here's a, here's a, here's a comic book. Oh, let's publish you. Um, they look and see what else have you done before. Right. And, and, and also there's a lot of things you have to learn. Um, so, yeah. So I realized very quickly, I couldn't get the original, the, the, the original story done. And then what I did is I started looking at anthology stories because um, I realized I needed to build a, a team to, to work with, right? And so, so I signed up for a bunch of anthology stories, which was a great way to get published, a uh, great right way to you know work on script um, script formatting, and also to work with the team. So they, the anthology stories, um, they would um, set me up with um, different artists, different colors, different inkers and letters, and then you just connect that way and you move on from there. That's great. So so. How was it being introduced to the readers once you got had something out there? Yeah, it's it's a lot of your own hustling. Um, you got to do it because um, a, a lot of the publishers you're working with they're they're independent publishers or small publishers. Um, so I mean, it's it's. I always tell people when they start out uh, in the industry that they they should make their social media uh, about them. They they need to realize that they're the brand, they're the author. Um, it's great to have. Um, a Twitter account, you know, based off your book, but what happens when that book's over and you don't do a sequel and then you got, you know, five, 5,000 people following a book. That's not going to, nothing's going to go with it. Right. And then you're promoting new books on the old books. So it's, it's always important that you, you build your own following. Um, so you build your social media up on Instagram, on Twitter, Facebook, um, whatever you think you need to do. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn's more of a professional um, aspect. But uh, yeah, you build that up. And then that way, it's also easier when you start doing crowdfunding as well, because you already have these people that are following you and and they, they can see your work and you, you build your fan base up that way. And is there, like, we'll get to crowdfunding in, in a couple of minutes, but is there frustration along the way? Like, how, how do you, I'm sure the work I have to do, how do you deal with uh, frustration? Oh yeah, there's tons of frustration. Um, the, the thing is, I just try and be positive. Um, I try and be honest and open with, with everybody I work with. Um, I let them know that, okay, you know, this is the point of this. This is what we're going to do. This is how long it is. Um, uh, I was very fortunate when I, when I first started, and this is before crowdfunding, uh, especially really when it really took off that um, I, I was just basically trying to break in the door and hold the door open for as many people to come with me as possible. And so that was the point is, is that we're, 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 we're working on things. And it started with the anthology stories, which were like, you know, four to eight pages, maybe um, stories. And, and I found some great guys uh, and girls to work with on those. And then, and then I found guys who were willing to do, you know, full length comic books. And so it was like, you know, 20, 24 pages. It's like, yeah, let's do it. Um, I, and like, I was telling them, like, I don't know how much money is going to be involved. I don't know how much money you're going to make. Um, but at the very least, we're going to get something out there and we're going to promote the heck of it. What did you think? Like, if you say, you said you want to get this, as many people through the door. A lot of people yeah. go into comic books thinking, you know, they're going to turn my comic book into a movie or I'm going to be the next Stan Lee or, you know, superstar or whatever. And, uh, uh, and when that dream fails and when they don't make the millions and they don't make a movie from the comic book, they just give up. Uh, what, did, what did you expect to actually have happen? Uh, uh, for me, for me, I just wanted to tell stories. I wanted to tell stories. And then when, then when I started, you know, like getting published, I realized, okay, I could 
start making money on this, right? I could, people could start paying me to write their books. Um, I mean, the money I was getting in from my publisher wasn't enough. It wasn't a lot. Um, we were basically, we were basically four people were splitting less than, you know, 20 bucks or a hundred bucks by the time things are done. Right. Um, and so my goal was always to be a creative writer, um, to make a living, um, writing and, and creating things. And so, I, you know, currently I'm doing that um, in, in my current job and I've been doing that for the last four years, which has been great and a blessing. Um, but it was also getting myself to that point. You know, I, I think one book leads to another book, leads to another book, leads to another book. And as long as you're open and honest with yourself and your teams um, and the people you're working with, um, then the sky's the limit. I, I think when you, when you, when you set unrealistic goals, like that, that it is going to be made a movie, that it is going to be, you know, sell a million copies. I think that's where you, when you oversell it, to your team members or you oversell it to yourself. I think that's when you run into problems. I, I think uh, the one my ex-wife told me when we when I first started on, on this journey, uh, she supported me the entire time. And, and the biggest thing was, is it shouldn't cost the family money. Uh, you know, I shouldn't dig into the family savings. Um, and, and it didn't, and it hadn't. Um, because I did it the way I did it. And then, um, and then I ended up moving to Asia uh, halfway through the process. And then it was like, okay, the publishers can't send me books out here. So, cause it's too expensive. Um, and so I made me deal with my publishers. Like, can I print, you know, my books out here, I'll give a different cover. So, you know, it's not being sold anywhere else. And that way, when I go to comic cons, I can use them as that's my business card. I literally would walk around to other publishers or friends and here's a free comic book. Here's a free comic book. Mm -hmm. And, and that's how I started networking. That's how I started getting some jobs as well. Uh, because all publishers want to know is that, can you do the work? Can you do the work? Is it quality and can you do it on time? And that is, I think, disproportionately more important to them than most writers think. Yeah, most writers think, is. I just need, you know, the story to be perfect. And publishers think, I need this on time and I need this. And also, is it a one hit wonder? You know, like, like can you do it again? Right. Like, like yeah. and can you write in lots of different genres? Can, can you, can you see a story? like pulled out and drawn out through multiple issues, multiple arcs. And that's the thing that, that a lot of people they're not aware of and they haven't proven to, um, to the publishers where it, uh, being a comic book writer is a job. It's a job like any other job and you have to have a resume and you have to have the skill set and the ability to be able to do it. And you have to be able to deliver time and time again on time with quality and also be able to work and collaborate with lots and lots of people. And, and that's where a lot of, Especially people when they first start out, they're the writers are terrified of editors. They're terrified of them. They don't know. I don't need an editor. I don't need an editor. My stuff's perfect. My stuff's perfect. And and I, I don't know why they're fully tired of editors. I, I think it's because they're they're worried about being told that it's wrong or it's bad, um, or they just think their their stuff's perfect and and then just coming in with a big ego. And, and let me tell you, in, in in my current industry in video games, you can't have an ego. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, because I mean, uh, rewrite, rewrite, rewrite is is pretty much all you do. Uh, you write something and then you have to do it again, have to change it, have to do something else. And so, um, that's that's the one big advice I give people when they get into video games is um, throw your ego at, check your ego at the door, and be prepared to rewrite a lot of stuff, and also how, just restart again. How do you check your ego at the door? Uh, you just realize that it's not about you. Um, it's it's about the game. It's about the game. It's about the story. So an editor's job is to make your story better. 
and, and to enhance it. Um, and, and sometimes they're changing dialogue, but sometimes they're giving you suggestions for storyline because you're not seen, they've seen something that you've overlooked or, or you, you've, you haven't connected all the pieces together, right? Um, when it comes to video games, it just comes down to it's all about the game. And it comes down to it's about the gameplay. So your story can change for things that are outside of your control. And it has absolutely nothing to do with quality. It has to do with you know, metrics. It has to do with uh, player retention. It has to do with gameplay mechanics. It has to do with like adding new gameplay mechanics, adjusting new gameplay mechanics, um, lots of different pacing, setting, um, it, budget. There's lots and lots of reasons why I have to rewrite my scripts. So I think the, the thing people, when I mean, it's not about ego, I think the thing people are most precious about is you own something that is beautiful and amazing. It's like super funny super sad, super whatever, and it's amazing. And then you have to change it. You know, if it's a technical thing and you can't put it in, that's one thing, but you have to change it because someone else tells you, you know, we need actually, we actually we need something else. You want to give this up. And it is hard to give up something that is so good. I mean, on, on video games, it, it's different because uh, as a video game writer, we have to remind ourselves that it's easier, faster, and cheaper for us to change dialogue than it is for them to change gameplay or art or something else, right? And so that's why you just do it. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's something as simple as like, I mean, I, I'm a, when I was at Ubisoft working on Assassin's Creed, um, we're doing the playthroughs and and they're like, oh, what's this over here? And they went over there and like, oh, there's a beautiful scene. And, and the cinematographer did an amazing setting with like the, the ocean and the beach. And it's like, well, why don't we have it here instead of on the cliff? And so I'm like, oh, okay. So now the guy's a fisherman. Okay. And I'm literally making notes where I'm, I'm like, I'm writing this for a blacksmith. Now I have to change it for a fisherman because, because just like the setting looked better. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so a lot of times when I would go into, to, to writing, especially at Ubisoft, I, I'd write down just the generic gist of what the story was going to be. Um, I knew like roughly the location. I knew the type of character I wanted to write and I knew the item that we're going to be finding or searching for. And then, um, and everything else within that could change. Um, but you just kind of figure out what it is. Okay. Now he's a fisherman. Okay. Dialogue's going to get changed. All this other stuff's going to get changed. Um, the tone, the character's going to change because now, you know, you're not, no, you're not having like, you know, like a drunk. Now it's going to be like, okay, now it's a fisherman, a man of the earth, you know? And so um, you just have to. Um, it, it, uh, there's meetings every day where it's like, okay, you have an idea, you get up the concept. We all agree. We walk out. There's another meeting and then something changes again. So it's, it's, it's just part of the process. Okay, and can you like walk us through how, how you got actually from comics to video games? Right. Yeah, so I ended up moving to Singapore with uh, with my family, um, with my ex wife and my daughter, and um, and then I ended up connecting um, through just like networking and stuff like that, like the comic cons, and, and you just you know um, you go to the comic cons, you you start meeting people, you meet these people, and and then uh, all of a sudden I ended up uh, seeing a, a job application for for Ubisoft. Uh, for, for a writer role and I said yeah sure like it was just it wasn't a narrative designer role it wasn't a designer role it was just a straight uh writer um and I went in um they gave me a writer's test um which is basically just uh, writing a script or writing a, a scene um which is I mean at the time I just wrote it like uh like a movie script um so I formed it that way wrote it that way um showed him my my stuff showed him my writing and then I got the job uh, I was, it was, it was a perfect timing for me. And uh, if you want to get a job in video games, a lot of it has to do with luck. Um, a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with luck. It's timing, it's luck, um, right place, right time, right, um, right place in your life as well. Um, so I wouldn't, wouldn't have been ready for the job four years earlier. And I wouldn't, and now, I mean, I, 
clearly I'm, I'm doing the job and, and advancing in the industry. So um, it was the right role for me. And uh, yeah, it worked out. It was, it was great. And how was the change from writing comics, which is one kind of editorial, to writing games, which is, it, like you say, completely different? It was it was tough. I mean, it was it was a it was a sink or swim thing. Like you basically are tossed in, especially when you're working at Ubisoft or one of the big major companies, because you're using proprietary software, so that you you're no longer using Final Draft. You're no longer you know writing your scripts in in, in Word doc. Uh, you're using their software, and if you don't know their software, it doesn't matter how good of a writer you are. If you can't figure out their software, you're not working. And so, so that, that, that's a big stress. So you have basically two and a half months, uh, your probation period, basically, um, to learn the software. And if you don't get the software, bye. Um, and so, so you're learning a software, plus you're learning how an industry works. Uh, you're learning about this, 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 this thing that you only, you know, heard about or saw, right? And, and so you did, you're, you're in this thing and you're now in meetings where it's just me and an artist uh, making a comic book. And, and yeah, like I'm, I'm the producer, I'm the director, I'm the creative director, I'm, I'm, I'm all these things in a comic book where you get onto a video game and you're, you're a team of 400, right? And, and there's, you know, 12 writers now and, and, and they're all great and, and, and you're just trying to soak up as much information from them as possible. Like, you, you don't even know what the, 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 the the code terms are that you know like you don't know you know what all all these all these little like kpis and this and that and you're like uh, uh, uh you just you just you're just dumbstruck and you're like okay can i go back and write and then and then you got a meeting here and a meeting there and a stand up here and a stand up there and it's 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 overwhelming it, it really was but um but i was able to quickly learn on my feet and and I had great people mentoring me as well right uh sam sam gill the the, the senior writer who was uh who's my boss uh he, he was absolutely amazing. He was mentoring me the whole time. And he came from, uh, he came from writing um, a children's uh, weekly television show, um, live action television show uh, in New Zealand, where he was, you know, like producing it. He was writing it, um, starring in it. Uh, he was doing all these things and he came to video games. So, so he came from a different aspect too. And, and, and it was neat that way. And, and, and then you, 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 Ian Fun uh, was great. And he, he really mentored me and taught me how to use the software. And, 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 and stuff like that. So that, that, that was really helpful. And, and without those guys uh, encouraging me and helping me along, uh, it, it would have been a tough, uh, tough journey. And I, there was times where I really like thought like, is this right for me? Is this right for me? Cause like, cause yeah, like you, you'd go in there and you're like, okay, no, it's a great story. It's a brilliant story, but they're like, Oh, we got to change it. It's like, what do you mean you got to change it? And you don't realize that um, when it comes to video games. Um, and I learned this later that, um, that the writer's job is not to have the, the best idea. Uh, the writer's job is to hear the best idea and and be able to recognize it. And it's because you're in a you're in a a brainstorming session with a bunch of different people, and it's it's your job not to just you know machine gun fire out ideas and concepts. It's your job to listen to other people, to to the artist, to the, the game designer, to the level designer, to cinematographer, and and take everything they're they're they're, they're saying and make something from it. That, that, that gave me a flashback. My first uh, um, experience with uh, high tech world, I, I just yeah. was doing my own movie where I, I wrote, directed, did it. The whole thing didn't act, and terrible actor. But um, and then I moved to to high tech stuff where everything was in meetings. And in that specific company, where they try to think of creative ideas. The entire process was the opposite of anything creative. It was lots of non-creative people trying to think up of a new idea, following ridiculous rules. 
And like, for example, the first idea can't ever be a good one. It has to be the seventh idea, the eighth idea. <laughs> uh, you know, all, all kinds of stuff that doesn't have anything to do with anything. And I felt, you know, you just dried everything up and then you came up with something, which didn't have to be good. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because I mean, the thing is, every game you're going to work on and, and, and every team is is all uh, the producer or the, 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 the lead designer or whoever it is, they all have different um, ways they do things. Um, so you might have one who is like, you know, like micromanaging and you might have one that just ah, go for it, you know, I trust you. And, and, and it's all different. And even even the designers that you work with, they, they, they all um, act differently and then they have their own uh, styles and, and how they they work with others and and also how they do their jobs. So um, some like like a lot of lot of, like I, I'm a morning person, so I like I like to get up early. I like to get to in, into the office. I'm usually between eight eight thirty. The the company doesn't start till nine thirty, and I get tons of stuff done within that first hour. And a lot of times, it's I get more stuff done within that first hour than I do the rest of the day because the rest of the day is filled with meetings or or or, or other things that you're you're just you're not in control of. So and it's not actually writing. And that's the thing is, uh, sure. I would say I would say about eighty percent of my job is research and meetings and met like conversations back um back and forth to the designers and and to the, the, the team and then and then about 20 percent is actual writing dialogue writing text and, and world lore can you say which company you're working for or is that like the problem or what type of games you're doing uh well i'm doing mobile games in uh, in china right now uh so i so i saw i uh, um, it's Elix. I'm allowed to say it. Um, uh, where we did the Clash of Kings. Um, that's our famous game, uh, oh. which is now seven years old now and still going, uh, which is which is a testament to to the to, to the game and and to the company. And we just uh, we just launched um, the Walking Dead Survivors uh, mobile game. So that's a, that's worldwide uh, launch, which is cool because I'm full circle now. I'm working with Skybound um, <laughs> and the comic books. So uh, so yeah, so it's, it's based off the, the the Skybound comic book and not the AMC TV series. So, so that's a cool one. So it's it's neat getting to to write about those characters and write trailers and and gameplay and dialogue for them. So it's it's really neat. That's that's interesting. I used to do uh, slot games for the Marvel movies when I started. Kind of- mm. So I made sure that in each uh, uh, the pay table, it always says Excelsior at the bottom. Oh, nice! <laughs> just a little, just little something no one there. understood, but they let me get away with it. So I just I, I I always toss my brother's name in it in the games. Uh-huh. He has a he has a unique name, so I always toss it in there, and so it seems to work for a lot of different characters. So yes, but I always I always do that. Uh, not 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 just for him, but I just it's just neat to put something in there. And yeah, and how do you feel like is there let me put it the other way. Is there something like noteworthy in storytelling around today that you would recommend aside from uh, your own thing? Like uh, Telltale Games, personally, I really love the storytelling uh, in those. I, I mean, in video games, is, is, is it different? I mean, it's one of those things where you can, unless you're doing a full narrative-based game, um, the, the whole team has to be part of that, right? And the whole team has to be on the direction of that because you're looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Even just for a simple game, right? So, um, I mean, there's lots of great games. I mean, West uh, West of Loathing is an absolutely amazing great game with story and funny and it's humor. Um, the Untitled Goose Game is, is one of my favorite games and it has no dialogue, but it's still got an amazing story and it's got amazing characters. Um, so the, the, there's lots of different ways you can do it and add story. Um, I, I, always, I always tell people to make sure that the... The, the NPCs, the, the the non-playable characters that you interact with that give you quests or that are just in the world itself. Um, that's how you build your world. You, you make them interesting. You make them memorable. 
and and that builds your world around it, right? Um, but yeah, you, you always got some kind of a story. Really, narrative designing and writing in games is is the gameplay is what the player does, and the the story is is what tells the player what to do and why they're doing it. Um, so so you're just running around shooting things. Well, why am I doing that? Okay, well you're doing that because I have to take down the you know the 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 enemy or the alien invasion, right? And so you just you, you try and add as much story as you, as you can, and and but you have to remind yourself that the the, the players there to play the game and not read a novel or watch a movie. Um, so so it's 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 a fine line. It's a it's a it's a there's a balance. Um, it's it's a video game writer's job is to make the right five to ten words have as much impact as twenty to thirty words. That's interesting. Oh, the eighties. Did you play the Infotime <laughs> games? The which one, sorry? The text adventure games. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, no, like yeah, I did, I did all the, the 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 settlers. I did I did the Hobbit when it was a video game as well, and yeah, oh, I I Monkey that. Island. I did, yeah, I did, I, yeah. I my brother and I were all over the board um, with video games, and I mean, I fell in love with Zelda, um, and that's my favorite series, and and my brothers fell in love with World of Warcraft, and so that's his favorite series. So yeah, we we have different games and so like that, but yeah, no. I, yeah, of course. Like lots of different games. I mean, like people ask me, like, what kinds of what kind of games am I playing? I'm like, well, it's like asking what kind of food am I eating? You know, like, I mean, you know, sometimes I like Italian, sometimes I like Japanese. You know, and and same with my video games. Is is I, I like I like I like PC games still on Steam, and I, I I of course love my Nintendo Switch. I got my PS4 PS4. I got you know my my mobile phone as well. So it's all over the board. I, I skipped over a stage there. Like uh, I I did notice you do, you did a crowdfunding. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, I did crowdfunding for two of my books, uh, Yakuza A93 and um, Indigenous, um, which were, which were, yeah, both very successful. Oh. The following up beforehand. Um, so that was very good. So I had like, you know, I was in lots of groups. Um, I had lots of um, Twitter followers, lots of Facebook followers and, and friends. And also I had a whole bunch of other comic books as, as well. So I had lots of rewards to give. So, I mean, like I was giving out like, like i mean even for like a dollar you got the comic book and then like for for like three dollars you got like five comic, five digital comic books or something like that like it was just it was just i mean digital like whatever right like i mean i, I that's another thing i find is when people start charging like 10 bucks for their books and stuff like that i'm like come on guys like like you, <laughs> i get what they're trying to do but they're they're not doing it but yeah no they were very successful uh, i did them in singapore um and they were on kickstarter and um yeah they, they were both successful um but then that's also like, but then it's like, I, I, I found them very time consuming because um, you're basically, you're hustling and basking, you're, you're busking basically, you know, give me a dollar, give me a dollar. Um, and, and you're doing that constantly. And then, and then, and then you're doing that for a solid month where your campaign's going on and, and you're like basically begging your friends for, for a dollar. And then, and then after it's done, then it's like exhausting and lots and lots of work to fulfill them to fulfill the orders to to run to the, the the post office to to get your supplies and all those other things and 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 also like yeah like the, the one tip i will tell people is um always make sure you make a rubber stamp of your address because you don't want to write that out a hundred times so you just have a rubber stamp and boom that's mm -hmm. done so i did that um which was very good um which is yeah very t like it costs a little bit of money but it's it's so much worth in the end but yeah i, I think by the time i looked at everything and how much um it was great the, the good thing about the crowdfunding is that everybody got paid right away so yeah my inker letter color uh, artists they all got paid um which is great. Um, but then when you look at how much um, 
like if I was to take a salary, which I didn't, I just kept the money and I was going to put it towards the next crowdfunder, but we never end up doing another crowdfunder. Um, and then, um, and yeah, and then if I looked at how much money I made and how much time I spent, it, it's not even close to like, you're, it's, you're not even close to even making minimum wage or um, it's, it's just exhausting. Um, so yeah, so that, that's a way to do crowdfunder. But I mean, but that being said, it is a great way to, to, to get your team paid. Cool. So is there anything else you want uh, to talk about that we missed uh, that you want to cover? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you have any other topics you want to talk about? Uh, that was basically it. I was interested in the path and the interesting path you took. Like, uh, What's uh, looking ahead? What do you see for yourself like, to the future? Yeah, yeah I'm still going to be writing video games for the, for the next foreseeable future. Um, I would like to eventually um, get some of my movie ideas get going. Um, so I've got to get on that. And I don't know how easy, easy that's going to be while I'm in China. Um, but but we'll see um yeah so i, I want to do some I've, I've got some personal products i want to do um i was supposed to do a film actually when COVID hit uh i had it lined up where i was going to do a short 12 minute uh mini movie um but then COVID hit and then i moved to china so uh that's not going to happen so i'm going to try and get a children's book published this year um so yeah i'm just still doing private you know personal projects and It'd be great, like I said, to, to get my movies out there and, and eventually just work on those and maybe possibly a TV show in the future. So, Thank you so much for Kelly Bender for telling his story. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you enjoyed his insight. The best way to find Kelly Bender is on Instagram where he is kellybender17. No spaces or uh, anything in between. On Twitter, he is also kellybender17. Geekdom Empowers is a living thing and we map out the geeks of the world. So all the episodes for me are not different people telling their different stories, but part of a large quilt, a large mosaic made out of specific stories. So I treat Geekdom Empowers as one big story. And therefore, I always end the episode with next time. So next time. We tackle the horrifying and supernatural in a personal and empowering story. Stick with us for that. There is legitimately crazy shit. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Stick with us for that. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoy the next episode. It's coming up on Monday because Geekdom Empowers releases three episodes a week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. If you want to contact me about this episode, about other episodes, suggest more guests, suggest yourself as a guest, or for any reason, email me at guy.hasson, that's H-A-S-S-O-N, at geekdomempowers.com. Check out our website, geekdomempowers.com, on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. We are at Geekdom Empowers. My name is Guy Hassan, and if you want to check out my other podcast, The Squash Buckler Diaries, which is an experiment in epic fantasy, feel free to check it out. It's a daily thing, The Squash Buckler Diaries. I will see you next time, and for now, have an empowered day.